Jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. Enragement drives engagement. Enragement drives engagement. Enragement drives engagement. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Slap, slap, slap. Les différents podcasts de frappe. Arsenal have been through their mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The Different Knock Podcast. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Welcome back to the... Where do you want your statue? Edu Gaspar Podcast with... <laughs> I like to look at Arsenal with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend, Bradley Adams. For God's sake. The window's over. Brad, oh, how do you finally, feel? Finally, it's done. Um, I felt better. I felt worse. Okay. As in about the window or in, in, yeah, in life? Well, in life. Let's start with in life. You know, Let's it's always important life. to check I, in. I, do you know what? I feel great at the moment. Um, Good. We just we've pretty much finished our flat when it comes to furniture. We put up a bookshelf today. My girlfriend bought me the new Arsenal hoodie. Yeah, it looks which really. Good. I've been wanting for weeks, literally since yeah. I saw a picture of Smith Rowe in it. Um, and I just haven't like had the money or brought myself to buy it. And she surprised me with it, which was sensational. Um, and I took a walk around the ground today, uh, just because mm. I live. It's literally fifteen minutes from my house. Any thoughts? Uh, it's very haggard. Like the box office sign, the B has fallen off. Oh, so it's an ox office. Yeah. And then... Maybe, maybe they're know, trying to sell the, oxen there. Stupid the joke. cannon Stupid joke. Is, is definitely peeling. Uh, and the legend... Oh, the, tell of, the Daily Star, mate. <laughs> yeah. The legend's love it. mural is, is fading. Uh, so it, it, it needs a touch up. Like it does need like a bit of TLC. Um, but the armory is great. They've got loads of nice stuff in there. Oh, surely, surely the club realise how symbolic that is. Surely someone at the club thinks, guys, come on, we can afford a lick of paint. Like this yeah. is horrifically, horrifically symbolic. Like, it's, come on. It's so easy to do as well. I, I guess maybe the mural isn't as easy because obviously I think with that and with the fading of that, you would just have to print a whole new one off and stick a whole new one up there because I don't think it's painted. Um, whereas with the cannon and the badge, you could easily fix that. So, yeah. Well, yeah. that's enough uh, podcast uh, intro, small talk. Uh, yeah, let's get into it. The window is over. The window is over. Ooh, Arsenal it is shut. It is slammed. Close at 11 p.m. Fabrizio Romano can sleep. Uh, we can all sleep. And welcome back he to the can crawl podcast. back into his cave that he comes out. For three months a year, like Michael Bublé at Christmas. <laughs> that was funny. Um, uh, and welcome to the Different Up Podcast. Thank you so much yeah, for joining welcome, us. Guys. Uh, we uh, we love doing this podcast. Just wanted to say that at the top of the show. We love yeah. doing it. Thank you for listening. It's great fun. It's sensational. 
it's sensational stuff and it you know allows me to see bradley twice a week on a screen which is you know and just where I also wanted. hear my ridiculous shit about football <laughs> i think you're on deadline day i must have texted you about 50 times so honestly probably. i think i think one day we should release some of the hot your hottest takes in like a book <laughs> Bradley's hottest takes. It will just all be your WhatsApp. So no, like, let's just do an Arteta episode. must be assassinated at 9am tomorrow morning. <laughs> let's just read all of them in one <laughs> special episode. <laughs> um, before we jump into uh, Arsenal window stuff, um, I, did, I do just want to talk about the fucking mental window <laughs> outside of Arsenal. <laughs> Um, we don't really get an opportunity to discuss football, sort of uh, the wider uh, world, the wider world much. We're, we're focusing on the meltdowns on here, um, but yeah, just I mean, and usually my meltdowns, to be specific. <laughs> you said it. Um, a, a mental, absolutely mental. I mean, unbelievable. If someone had told you what would happen before the window started, it's it's, it's wild. I think uh, what one thing I would say. Is I was thinking about the Premier League and I was thinking, there's so much for us to do, obviously, uh, from an Arsenal perspective. There's so much for us to do. And I was thinking, oh God, you know, Chelsea signed Lukaku, United signed Ronaldo, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're looking around thinking, fucking hell, what do we do? But what I will say is I'm not sure every club, especially, has signed where they're weak and has signed in positions where where I think they, and, and obviously it's from my perspective as an Arsenal fan on United, on Chelsea, whatever. But if mm. I was looking at Chelsea, I'd be looking at their back line. I'd be looking at the yeah. likes of Thiago Silva, Azpilicueta, Rudiger and Christensen. I think there's more there. And obviously they're looking at Jules Kunde, but they didn't get that done. If I'm looking at United, I'm looking at that double pivot in front of the mid- midfield. I'm not they sure if Pogba can play there. Six. They so need badly. someone there. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If I'm looking at Liverpool, um, I think there's got to be something else they can put in that front three. They didn't strengthen there. I'm not saying... In their midfield as well. You know, they lost Wijnaldum, who plays pretty much every minute for them. And yeah, they haven't yeah. replaced him. Yeah, and, and, and I think... You know, I, I, I'm definitely prone to, and ultimately, you know, they've signed Sancho, Varane and Ronaldo United and, and City have got Greeley. Like they have strengthened. But what I would say is I think the acquisitions haven't been as smart as they could have been generally mm. in the league. I think a lot of it has been, um, and, and I'm also glad that Mbappe and Haaland haven't come to the league. That's that's my big thing. I think if one of Mbappe and Haaland came to the league, we would see a change. That would be a game-changing transfer. And mm. while I think, while I think there's game changes sort of for the club, um, you know, each club has got you know someone in there who can take them up a level. I'm not sure any clubs brought in a player that I go right. They're the guys now. Like you know, if if City got Haaland, it's yeah. over for like three years. Do you know what I mean? Like that's the that's the same the if level. City got Kane. You yeah, know? exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. What are your thoughts? I think I think you're right. I think a lot of clubs have strengthened in ways where they were already strong. You look at Grealish going to City and you think of the absolute riches they have in the positions that Grealish would play. And you go, well, wouldn't it have been kind of more sensible to stick that £100 million on a striker? But I think what we've seen a lot this summer is, and not really from Arsenal, which is one of my main disappointments, is the taking advantage of financial situations in other leagues. Right. Chelsea have got a good enough front line that if they strengthened the back line, it would kind of take them further. But they've seen that 
Inter were desperate for cash and they've gone, here's 100 million for Romelu Lukaku. And they'll, okay, that means that they haven't been able to strengthen the back line this summer. So they'll definitely have to stick in this system that protects a lot of these players. But next year, they'll be able to get their targets at centre-back after, you know, after being able to sign Lukaku, which they might not have been able Saul to do. Saul as well. In, in, in 12. Yeah. And Saul, you know, these some of these deals are deals that would only happen this summer because clubs... Mm might Sancho not be able to make them in, in, in 12 months time clubs might uh, around Europe might be in a better financial position. And I think that that has definitely dictated some aspects of kind of transfer strategy from some people. And I do think it, it should have influenced Arsenal strategy kind of slightly. Um, but it's been a fascinating window. You know, there are, there are so many deals that you, I mean, to give opinions on a few, like you look, I think Ronaldo to United, whilst being a decent deal, is also a bit, you know, he, he they've already got what, Cavani, he's obviously better than these players, but would that, would that wage packet, would would the whole expenditure of Ronaldo going yeah. into a Wilfred Ndidi or an Eve right, Basuma, right, 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 right. mean that they go to be title challengers and contenders versus... You know, Ronaldo, I, I actually think it would. Signing a, a, a very defensively strong number six, Varane and Sancho, would take them into what I would call contenders. But then if you look around at some of the other clubs that have made really no business, you look at Liverpool only really bringing in, what, Canate. You look at Everton basically signing wingers for free and then Salmon Rondon. Although Damari Gray um, <laughs> killing it. <laughs> Well, yeah, which is great. Mil or yeah, which is yeah. great for them. But, you know, Liverpool are in a place where I look at them now and I go, well, um, City are definitely going to probably win the league, if not be top two. United are going to be up there. Chelsea are going to be up there. Tottenham will always bottle it. So I don't know whether they'll be up there come the end of the season, but they've strengthened all right in certain positions. Like, Liverpool could drop out of the Champions League this season. They've lost one of their main three midfielders that's used to playing pretty much every minute in Genie Wijnaldum. Uh, Van Dijk, whilst his back looking sensational, could still have a little bit of a rough patch in him, seeing as he's coming back from a, a big injury, you know. Mane looks off it. And one injury to that front three and it's over, mm-hmm. you know. One injury to Salah and their title challenge is done. Yeah. So it, I think it's a fascinating window for both sides of the argument, the clubs that have done business and the clubs that haven't. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's a, a well, well surmised as well. Like, I think it's a very, it's it, it's kind of a luxury window, I feel like. You know, the likes of United mm. signing, you know, did City need Grealish? Did Chelsea need Lukaku? Did, did you know, as much as it takes them up, did United need Ronaldo? I think there's, yes, I say there's smarter acquisitions, but ultimately it takes the, the league, um, the league upper window, uh, upper window, the window upper league. It takes the window up the table of the league of the time. It takes the league upper level. And um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited. To be honest, mate, as much as we obviously were Arsenal fans, I'm also excited to watch Ronaldo for United, to watch Greenwich for City. Like, I'm also I, I'm excited, excited for like, you know, I think West Ham have done some decent business bringing in Vlasic. Yeah, that cardboard and... cutout, it, it will play be better than Pablo Mari, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but bringing in like Zuma, Vlasic, both good signings, you know, I think that 
Um, Brighton have done some decent business getting in Kukurea and who's the other guy? Oh my God. Who else did Brighton bring in? I have not a clue, mate. Not a clue. I was too busy having a panic attack about us. Oh, Oh, uh, and Wepu from RB Salzburg, mm, who looks like a yep, decent pick good. at central midfield. Um, so there's been pretty decent business across the board. And there's a lot of teams that look pretty much brand new. Villa aren't going to be the same team that they were last season now that Grealish is gone. They're going to be a fascinating club that could either unravel completely or, or go from strength to strength. Or Leeds I with think- Dan James as well. Yeah, this season is going to be the perfect epitome of the Conte meme of just one normal day of the Barclays. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> it is. It's going to be mental. And I'm, I'm, I'm very much here for every side of it other than us getting absolutely rammed by other teams. Yeah, let's stop talking about these successful, well-run clubs. We we don't want that. Stop we want talking about other things. We want Alex. we don't want we don't want this sort of you know flim flam of well run, organised top to bottom clear strategy clubs. We want Arsenal. <laughs> we want chaos. <laughs> um, okay, Brad, I'm going to uh, spring something on you. I want a okay. grade for the entire window, and then I want a uh, letter or number. A letter, sorry. Okay, a letter, and then I want. Uh, numbers for incomings and outgoings so out of 10 for incomings and outgoings play along at home uh incomings and outgoings and i want a grade for the entire window and just while you're thinking about that just going to remind everyone of the business we've done very very quickly just so we just so we all hear it out loud ben white martin erdegaard aaron ramsdale takahiro tomiyasu in from bologna yesterday from uh, on deadline day albert samuel lakonga nuno tabarish and outgoings Willock out to Newcastle, Lucas Torreira out to Fiorentina with, I believe, an option, but it has also been reported an obligation, I don't know, to Fiorentina. Willian, free transfer to Corinthians. Matteo Guendouzi with an obligation to Marseille. William Saliba on loan to Marseille. Dejan Iliev, who is that? <laughs> to SKF Esered. Uh, Reese Nelson off to Fe- Feyenoord on loan. Runa Alex Runison to OH Leveren in the Belgian League uh, with, I believe, an option to buy. Uh, Hector Berin out to Real Betis on loan and David Luiz out of the club, who I don't think has signed a deal with anyone, by the way. No, still a free agent. Hearing all of that, before we discuss incomings and outgoings more generally, your grade for the window. So uh, I think it just quickly, it's important to kind of the mindset of where, so C is average. I'm going to do pluses. Uh, B is like good a is exceptional okay i'd give it a c plus okay i think it's a i think it's just above average okay i'm going b minus i'm going b minus which to me is far away from each other yeah which to me is good with room for improvement i think there's there's a there's many 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 different angles to take on this and i think we should discuss the gary neville comments because they're very 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 interesting um, about the idea of Arsenal not having a transfer strategy. And I think that couldn't be further from the truth and is a really lazy punditry. I really like Gary Neville. I think he's a really smart, articulate sportsman. I think he's one of the one of the smartest um, pundits out there. And he's a very hardworking guy, but I think he has got this wrong. I think it's very clear the strategy that Arsenal took. Clear. Un- between 20 and 23, every single player is between 20 and 23. Uh, 
at fair prices by high potential players, players and try and foster a competitive environment, uh, create a proper wage structure, create an environment where all these players can grow together and build a team that is competitive, say, three to five years from now. That has a couple of issues because that sounds good. That sounds really good. First thing I'd say on that is we don't know that that is going to work. Think of that image of the British core of Alex Lockley Chamberlain. Think of Aaron Ramsey, Kieran Gibbs, Carl Jenkinson, and Jack Wilshire. You know, we don't know that's going to work. It requires a lot of projection. It requires a lot of good contract management. It requires a lot of good, good overall football oversight. It requires a lot of things to go our way, players not to get injuries, etc., etc., etc. That may happen, but it's a huge gamble. Now, the thing with that is, I'm not 100% convinced that Arsenal chose this strategy. I think it is a strategy that could work for us, but I wonder, were we backed into a corner to do this? Because I I can't think of, and, and, and I know we've discussed this and I'd love to discuss it now, um, is I can't think, or I, I can't see necessarily, players of the requisite quality who would bring us up a level at 26, 27, 28, leaders, people we want in the team, and also being 26, 27, 27, 28 doesn't make you a leader, but players we want in the team to bring us up a level, I can't see them carrying out their sporting, personal, financial goals at Arsenal right now. I just can't see it. So players who who would want to join us, who are good enough to raise the level, and players who we can get at a decent price, I just can't see happening. And the final thing I'd say is this is, you know, the, the the window as an overall needs to be looked at in, in, in a kind of context. And I do think that there's been a, been, been a huge amount of investment from, from the Cronkies. But I also think as part of my kind of the negative side of things, I think there was more opportunities to be taken. And uh, I think uh, from as you've- More investment as, wasn't needed. Well, I don't know about more investment, but I think, I think there's- because I don't think it's enough investment to get us to the next level, but I do think it's enough investment to to give us a platform to grow from. And I think there was there was smarter there was some smart business that could have been done. You know, the, you look at the likes of Hussam Awar, he was on his knees to join some some clubs, and we didn't take that. Now we may not have wanted Awar, but there's got to be. We're looking around these leagues. There's an opportunity there. Um, Absolutely, yeah. and you've got to look at the fact that. On to kind of work backwards and go on your last point, you've got to look at the fact that I think you do have to look at the Ben White deal and go 50 million for Ben White could have got Basuma in central midfield or somebody else in in central midfield for 30 million, 35 million, and then signed somebody else, another young prospect around the 15 million pound mark and brought Saliba in, somebody who we've already paid for in essence, we've already bought. Um, and I, that's also, we'll get onto like the specifics of the window, but that's kind of one of the main gripes for me about that. As I look at that one deal in particular, and I don't mind the player, but I'm going, was there such need to spend 50 million pounds on this player? I think for me and a couple of other Arsenal fans, it sounds mental. I'd have preferred to have kept David Luiz for a year for one season and spent that 50 million pounds on a central midfielder. And maybe possibly a, a kind of forward player. It's a fair argument. Yeah. Um, working back from that and kind of going on the, I, th- I do think that there's been enough investment to keep us ticking along. I think, you know, if we look at realistically, we've got in a right back and a creative midfielder um, and a centre back to slot into that first eleven. 
But the centre-back is replacing one we lost and the creative midfielder we had for the last six months of the season. So that first 11 really has only been bumped up by a right back, which again is fine, but it's it's slight improvements. We've improved the squad, but it, 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 again, like you say, it's not enough to take us to the next level. I think there definitely are a few players that probably would have come that are currently probably beyond where Arsenal's... I think we forget how big a club Arsenal is, still is, like gargantuan, mate. Um, But you look at... People would turn down, people would leave clubs like Leicester for Arsenal in a heartbeat and they'd get better wages here. But like you say, I think this is about building a wage structure and one where we don't end up in a situation like when we signed Aubameyang and Lacazette, we put them on such high wages because we needed to get them in Calassi during a difficult... 100k a week. Yeah, we can't during do like that. Difficult, can't do that. difficult periods of time where we were needing players and one of the ways as such a big club with big financial clout when it comes to wages is to, you know, say, well, okay, you're only going to earn 60k at Leicester say we went in say we went in for like Kaglas Soyuncu um, and we went okay you're only 60k at Leicester we'll double that he is a player for me who is slightly more proven than Ben White and slightly probably better at the moment than Ben White that would have given us the opportunity to move up a level but he would cost more than Ben White not in transfer fee but in wages which again brings the total value of the deal up, which I think a lot of people forget. It's not just transfer fees that are involved. Mm. Talking about Arsenal's strategy, I think it's it's smart in the most part. I do think we miss in our back line a 26, 27-year-old or uh, kind of maybe even pushing 28. Somebody that the other boys can look to in, in tough moments. You know, I don't know if they're any good, but I was looking earlier and I think of like maybe Ginter from Mönchengladbach, but is he really of the level? Statistically, he's not bad, but I, I'm not the kind of person that's going to waffle on and say, I've watched him in 15 games and I know how he plays and I know if he's good enough. Um, mainly because you know, neither of us hard neither of us are scouts, so we're not going to have a list of players to hand going. Oh, this person would be fantastic. It's all fucking guesswork for random shit we see on Twitter. Um, but to go back to the Gary Neville comments, I think he's being either willfully ignorant to try and stir up and be kind of clickbaity because. He knows, just like that fucking Cave or whatever his name is, dude on Sky Sports knows that Arsenal fans lap this shit up. Yeah. And it will get them clicks. There is a big there is a big thing going on about that. And Gary Neville is either stupid or he's just being willfully ignorant to try and stir the pot. And there's a tweet that puts this brilliantly that says, Arsenal's transfer strategy was well thought to the extent if Arteta leaves, the next manager will inherit a healthy squad with a good balance in terms of age and abilities. Gary Neville continues to show why he was a failure at Valencia every time he speaks. <laughs> um, oh, I like Gary. Which is, but which I, is I a little it. harsh. Yeah, a little harsh. But, um, can, I, can I just it, come, in, come yeah. on to that quickly? On the, there, was a, there was a talk sport article that was... <laughs> Basically, detailing the detailing the facts of a match between Lukaku and um, uh, Tomiyasu, as in uh, Inter and Bologna last season, and it was like Lukaku ran past him and scored. And it was basically, you know, the the article was like, you know, Tomiyasu is no longer safe, or Arsenal fans look away, or something like that. And we have to be aware. And 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 listening to this, you know, I, I'm I'm not patronising people and going, guys, you need to, re-, but we should all be aware, myself included, of playing into that because the media know 
Arsenal fans lap it up and not lap it up positively, lap it up negatively, but it's what AFTV feeds off to some extent. I do think it has its positives and negatives, but it's what these things feed off. They feed I think off it clicks. Had, it had its positives and negatives. Yep. Anyway, I do think it's a very it's not, negative platform. Let's not go down that road. It's uh, in, uh, enragement drives engagement. In, remember mm. that. Enragement drives yeah. engagement. I thought of it today. I was like, that is, that's it. It it doesn't matter. It's engagement. All they want is clicks. And there's a kind of generation of pundits and, um, and you know, listening to these t- types of podcasts, in, engaging in the conversation, looking on Twitter, you're already, you know, even listening to a podcast like this and being 25 minutes in, you're already probably more engaged than the average fan, right? And and I, mm-hmm. I I hope so. Maybe I think maybe I'm an absolute bubble and I'm a clown. I know nothing, but I I hope I'm more engaged than an average fan. But the the idea that you know Sky Sports will I feel like drive pundits to basically say something so they can clip it up, stick it out on Monday morning, and get loads of engagement. And I I and I'm not going to lecture anyone. I have to be aware of not engaging mm-hmm. with that because it's so hard. It's so hard because you see it's two minute clips. Oh, Arsenal. And, and I don't know whether Gary Neville's got a producer in his ear saying, listen, just say that because we'll get loads of clicks. I don't know. Ultimately, there's a financial model they need to follow and that that benefits them. I just wanted to come on to, though, um, something else. Do you think, and jumping back slightly, do you think Arsenal had a choice with this strategy? Because to drive the level of... You squad- always have a choice. Okay, but to drive the level of squad turnover that Arsenal fans and, Ars- and Arsenal needed, right? We needed probably seven or eight first team and squad players coming through the door, right? I, I would have said at the beginning of the summer, I think we said seven. We wanted- I think I said, yeah. W- yeah, whatever. I think we said we needed backups and then we wanted like three first teamers. Right, but we needed a lot of squad turnover, right? But to do mm-hmm. that, with the level of investment that we have from KSE, and I, that's another conversation around KSE, you know, Stan's a billionaire, et cetera, et cetera. But the level that we're going to be invested, he's not going to spend 300 million. He's just not. And if we want the owners out, blah, 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 let's have that conversation. But he's not going to spend 300 mm. million. So with the level of investment that we have, do you not think we were sort of pushed into that corner where basically we need to sign, say, six, seven players with about 150 million. We can either spend 60 million on James Madison and, you know, 50 million on on another player or whatever and have a couple of million left over for someone else or try and balance the squad out a bit better and follow down that road because i don't think i think we we were we were pushed and i don't think it's the worst strategy but i also i'm kind of developing an idea that i don't think this is our choice i think this is really the only way we could go with with the investment no, I we dis- have. i i think i disagree because well you're not allowed <sighs> <laughs> there were better, and I think it, again the the main one to go back to is Ben White. There were better deals to be done, um, like and this is not gen, this is not a rhetorical question. Like what? Like just playing Saliba. Okay. Yeah, yeah. As in, like yeah. you save yourself or have Louise. Yeah, I know what you mean. There's, there's yeah, other have options, Louise yeah. for a year. Yeah, there's other options. Have Louise for a year and have Saliba understudy and you save yourself, it says on transfer marks, we paid 52.65 million pounds. And you think, okay, so we're now bringing in maybe two more players in areas that we actually needed them. Because like we've always said, centre-back this summer would have been somewhere like fifth or sixth on our list. And now obviously we're not, you know, we're not football geniuses in the same way that, some some people are and they'll go oh yeah but you are bringing a center back allows us to do this no i'm not i'm fucking clueless mate <laughs> um <laughs> it's the self-awareness you're actually not but... mate you're really clever <laughs> <Carry on. laughs> 
But um, I think there were better deals to be done. And I think that a lot of this is choice because we could have targeted certain age profiles of players e- easily. If we'd wanted to sign uh, a goalkeeper to come in and, and play kind of first team option, we could have kept Runa Runison as backup, kept Leno and brought Anana in and just waited till January because we're not far away from that. If we'd wanted but to do other to deals, Leno, blah, blah, yeah, one injury Runa, to Leno, Runa, 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 and it's, Runa, it, it definitely, Runa. it definitely is a, a very slippery slope. But I, th- I don't think we were forced into it. I think it's a strategy, and I think that this that we've chosen, and I think that this strategy for me would have been a bit better executed if we'd spent the money a bit better. Okay, I think okay. that one hold up about the strategy here is is Ben White, and it's not because of his ability as a player, because I think like. It's just the fact that it's such an overpay. Yeah. If we paid thirty million for him and then paid twenty million for someone else, I would. I really wouldn't have an issue with the strategy, and because I don't have an issue with the strategy, I understand that. You know, because we're not going to pump in three hundred million pounds, we need to take this hundred and fifty million this year and maybe another hundred and fifty million next year, invest it around a similar age group. So in three or four years, say eight out of. 12 signings mature into great first team players mm. Mm. we can kick on and and mm. take another step forward mm. but we have players around the club that could have done that you know yeah, Saliba yeah. is somebody okay. that if we're going with the youth model and going with the let's wait a few years to be successful that is somebody to develop uh and then you save yourself 52 million quid that you can go and spend on Basuma, who's in his, in his early twenties on, you know, maybe Gimaraish or however you say his name from Leon, who's in his early twenties at central Bruno. midfield. Bruno. Um, I, I do, I think that's, yeah, I, I think I understand it's a strategy that we've been forced into in some sense because we're not going to be able to go out. And we're not going to have the draw at the moment to go to Atletico Madrid and say to Atletico Madrid, here's £60 million for Jose Jimenez. And he's going to want to jump over for anything other than ridiculous wages. Yeah. And that's Um, that's another thing to consider is that it's it's also rebuilding the the strategy. I also want to... structure. The structure of the wages, sorry. Um, I also want to... And part of the reason I gave it a B minus and maybe not a C plus is because... So, so, and, and and just to fully explain that as well, to be very clear, Arsenal needed a lot more than this to get this done. So my B minus is aimed at the Cronkies. Do you know what I mean? If we want to compete at the level we should be as Arsenal Football Club competing at, we need to be spending 300 million. So if we weren't going to do that, we were never going to get, we were never going to have a, a great window because not a great, great, as in the window that we need is there. But if we're working within this model, I think we can, yeah, we can, we can, we did about what we could have done. Mm. I also think the contract um, negotiations uh, were good. I mean, ultimately, they're part of the window. They're part of the summer business. Kieran T and Emil Smith-Rowe and Follow and Balogun all tied down to long-term deals. Um, and that's and that's a, another decent. positive. Let's look at the incomings more specifically. Um, I'm giving the incomings a 7.5 out of 10. The reason for that, um, again, we're working within a certain structure. We needed more than this, but we're working within a certain amount of uh, a budget. And I think the player selection, the uh, the deals themselves. I think probably only one player I have a quibble about the fee. I think the uh, the improvements of the squad. I think the the age profiles, the talent ID, the potential, 
all shape up really well. And I look at that and I think Martin Erdegaard, Norwegian captain, fantastic player. I think he's going to develop really, 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 really solidly. Sambi looks a fantastic pickup. Nuno Tavares looks looks like the sort of athlete and energy and engine that we need. Um, Tomiyasu will come on to in News and Views, but I think is a, is a fantastic pickup. Um, and Ben White, I, I really like and I really rate and I understand your point about Saliba previously, but I, I really like Ben White. So incomings wise, if we were going spend... to... Just to just to say, I think my Saliba comments weren't a dig at Ben White. No, 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 no. Great. No. I think it's more dig at the fee that we've spent yeah, yeah, yeah. seeing as the strategy we're going is let's develop the youth. Yeah. No, I, I, I do get you. And, and also it's not like Ben White or Saliba. It could have been both. So um, yeah, I, yeah, mm. that's my, that's my reasoning for the seven and a half. What about you? I think I'd go around kind of six and a half because again, I think a concurrent theme in a lot of my points People is going to be that. numbers, mate. <laughs> Pardon? B minus, C plus, seven and a half, six and a half. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think it, it we're is. Playing our, we're playing our characters on this podcast very well. We absolutely yeah. are. And we're fitting into our niches perfectly. Um, I must say, no, uh, I think this, this Ben White is going to be a deal, especially just from a financial perspective, is going to be a big theme in everything I talk about today. Um, because it's a big, it's our, it's the biggest chunk of our transfer budget that we've spent on one third. player. It's a third. Yeah, it's a third of our budget we've spent on one player to improve a position that didn't particularly for me need improving that urgently. So yeah, I, I think that's what brings it down. I think if you look at the kind of the bones of the squad versus the incomings, we needed a central midfielder. I think one of the reasons that Maitland-Niles has stayed isn't to play right back, but it's probably to be that fourth choice, fifth choice central midfielder, third choice central midfielder when AFCON's on in January. You know, because Elneny and Party will go, and I think we'll see we'll see a pivot of Xhaka, Laconga, and then if either of those two need a rest, we'll we'll have Ainsley. I think that's probably one of the main reasons why we we ended up pulling the deal with Everton, because otherwise I think we would have seen more movement in 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 getting Cedric or uh, Chambers out of the club as well, because yeah. we've still got three right backs. Yeah. I don't think we've kept Maitland-Niles to be the fourth. I think we've kept him to be that squad option in midfield who can also deputise here and there and everywhere. But spoiler, I think that is the main function he'll be. Spoiler alert for my view on Tommy Asu. I'm not 100% convinced, especially because he's got a left foot, that he's going to play right back. So I don't know. And, and also the fact that Maitland-Niles is staying, considering what happened, and we can come on to that again in News and Views, Considering how that that played out, considering you know Ad Ward and his agency and the things that came out with John Cross and that sort of stuff, the way that played out, I don't, I'm not convinced he's staying unless he's got a serious first team um, chance here. I, I really don't. But if you look at the, um, I think it was the the registration of the of the team or something. He's registered as a midfielder rather than a oh, defender. Interesting. Didn't know that or something uh, on like the squad layout. That, interesting. I don't know. I, th- I saw it going around Twitter. I'm pretty sure it was Arsenal. Arsenal made. Um, he was registered as a midfielder. I think that's probably more, uh, he'll probably get five to eight Premier League yeah. S- starts yeah. or games maybe, this season. Um, yeah, so six and a half, I think is fair. I think that more could have been done and even under the budget that we had, I think we could have been spa- smarter with some amounts of the money we've spent, which is why I, I, you know, I think I'm giving it a, 
and, a, and above average, like verging on good. Because I think, you know, if when you consider the, the model we've gone down, there are good signings in there, you know, yeah, 24 model, million yeah. pounds, 24 million pounds for somebody who went to the Euros. Okay, he's England's what, fourth choice keeper, but the boy's only 23 and he definitely could evolve into something better than he already is. And, and he's homegrown. So he's even if to. he only improves, <laughs> yeah, oh my God, yeah. But even if he only improves 25%, he'll still be a comfortable mid-table goalkeeper who can be sold on to a mid-table club for the same, if not more money. Yeah. Um, and I think Laconga is a great pickup um, as a kind of party, kind of sub-in, substitute, if, if needed at points, though. We, we didn't play him against City, which did baffle my brain a little. I think Erdegaard as well. Didn't, Erdegaard we didn't want to traumatise him, mate. Yeah, mate. <laughs> Erdegaard is, for me, the thing that puts this at a six and a half. I think it's a fantastic piece it's of business. It's really good business. 31 and a half million pounds for an international captain. And not just an international captain, but somebody with a wealth of talent who could really kick on and progress, who, you know, looked phenomenal before his injury during the international break when he signed for us knows the club, has been here for six months. I think that is a is a brilliant pickup. Yeah. And I think that's what does that that's really what picks it up to that kind of six and a half yeah. for me. I think um I think also there's a there's a level on the characters and a and a lot of kind of Neville-esque mm. uh, punditry, that sort of level of oh Arsenal haven't got any leaders pun, pundit punditry is about is about that. I think that's always been slightly lazy, but I do think we don't have many characters on the pitch who expect a lot of their teammates. Reading about Tommy Yasu today looks like a very kind of old school, old fashioned, committed style defender, you know, supposedly stayed for hours after training wherever he stayed and that, that sort of player. I like, I like the sound of what Ramsdale's like, you know, he seems like a good, good person, a good, um, a good squad member, Erdegaard, uh, Ben White, similarly to Ramsdale and Erdegaard feels like a real leader, someone who can grow into one of these leaders. You know, we talk about, where, where are the leaders going to come from? Well, we've got to give them space to grow. The likes of Kieran I found out this week that Kieran Tierney does the fines at Arsenal. Didn't know that. L- you know, leaders start to grow. You know, you saw Kieran Tierney at the end of that game against Man City. He was, he was, he was going around. He was telling people, go over and clap the fans. I think at one point he thought someone was leaving. And I saw him get really frustrated and they, they weren't. I think it was Leno he thought was going and he got frustrated. That is what you want, want to see in those leaders. And I do think, yeah. you know, obviously massive... Conjecture Conjecture but there is a <laughs> there is a definitely a, a a sense of the all of these people when I watch them in interviews mm-hmm. I feel a real sense of okay you seem like a uh, the right sort of character I don't know them obviously but I think there's a there's a real real sense of that for me on the outgoings yeah <laughs> I'm struggling to give this over a six um however I think that that's so generous however However, however, however. So we didn't get what was required done. Lacazette's at the club. Ketia's at the club. Kolasinac is at the club. A lot of loans, a lot of options, not obligations. And I understand that. And that's going to come into a lot of analysis. And I really understand that. But I think there's a basic bit of the market that is, that is uh, or a bit of market understanding that is missing necessarily from this, this debate sometimes. 
you can't have it, and I've said this to you, you can't have it both ways. You can't look at the market and go, there's these clubs with no money. They're going to want this. They're going to want money. Let's take some opportunities. Let's go and offer them 10 million for their best players and then expect those same clubs who have no money to come and buy your players. It does. It just doesn't work like that. So I have a lot of sympathy. Mm. And when we look around at clubs, I did a, an article for you on Arsenal today and I, looked, I did some research on this. Everton got like seven points. Actually, I'll get it up rather than me trying to remember it randomly. So Everton, rather than you waffling, waffling, Everton That's received. My job. <laughs> Everton received seven point two million in incoming. Leicester got three point six million. West Ham got two point seven million in incoming. Liverpool got less than us with twenty four, and I appreciate a, lot, a large chunk of us was Willock, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But a lot of clubs, I think, Man United included, and clubs, unfortunately, on our level at the moment, clubs we're going to be competing with for those sort of fifth to eighth spot. <laughs> Fucking hell, we. Art didn't receive as much, and you look around. Mm. There are no, there are no big sales apart from at the big clubs who can afford to offer, you know, you know, who can afford players want long term contracts there. They want to be included there. They're going to have high value players, and you can't sell wool to a sheep. You know, we, we're trying to sell Lacazette, we're trying to sell Nketiah, we're trying to sell Kalasenac, players who clubs know we don't want and know they can get for on a Bosman in three months' time. So I have a lot of sympathy. Ultimately, we didn't do what we should have done. So we can't give it over a six. But I have a lot of sympathy for the situation that Eddie was in. Um, and I will give him a statue outside the Tottenham Hotspur ground. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, I, do you know what? I agree with you in, in, in a lot of that. I think you are right. When there isn't a lot of money in the market... Nobody's going to be looking to pick up players. I think the only clubs that would be looking to pick up players is ones that are ones that, you know, have their players stripped from them. Like you could imagine Sassuolo needing to pick up another central midfielder once they lost Locatelli. Yeah. Kind of moves like that. But then really sorry to you interrupt. have every, but then, but then wait, you have every single club in the world fighting to sell them that player. Yeah. Just a really, really quick interjection. If you don't, if you don't buy what I'm saying, completely fine. But go and look at transfer market. Look at all transfers, Premier League, and oh, look, yeah. look, free transfer, free transfer, free transfer, loan transfer, loan transfer. Loan, loan, it's loan, freeze loan, and loans. Yeah. Trust me, just go down. Sorry, go. On. Um, yeah, I think for me it's like a four, four and a half, and I think that that's because even the Willock transfer for me, I go, why, why? Unless we needed the funds to complete every deal that we did, why? have we sold him when we need another midfielder i don't think and i i don't think he is good enough and i think that you know we've we've we're absolutely we and everyone else who said this is absolutely correct in what they've said i hear elliot say it on the arsenal vision podcast all the time do we let the eight game stint at newcastle define him or the 60 games he's played for us and his value would never be higher I just think that, again, losing a homegrown prospect for £26 million isn't a lot of money when you consider that certain other homegrown prospects have been pulled out of clubs for for more money. I think if it was pushing 30, 35, it would push my kind of answer for it at kind of 5 to 5.5. I think it is, you know, if you look at Marina Granovskaya... Yeah, Can yeah, I just ask you something about those specifically? On Willock, do you not think six months' time, a year's time, Willock's not played much for Arsenal because there are players above him in the pecking order. 
Erdegaard, Saka would all play in those central central attacking midfield roles. ESR and Party, Xhaka and Sambi are all ahead of him, in my opinion, in terms of technical quality and mm. what we need in the midfield. Do you not think he becomes another one of those images that goes round and does the rounds of Hector mm. Bellerin offered for 25 million, Callum Chambers, 25 yeah. you know, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, 15 million. I'm not saying the fee's right. I'm not saying it's enough because it isn't. I think we should have got more from him, especially based on what happened. But I just think he, he would have become one of those players. And for me, I'm developing a philosophy Maybe. where I say, if we get an offer for a player that is acceptable and okay, that's that's a good fee for that player. Not great, but a good fee for that player. If they're not absolutely Bukayo Saka, Emil Smith-Rowe, we are not selling this player. I think you've got to really, really think about it. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I, I really don't disagree with you, but I think that this is we can talk about the kind of hypotheticals of that could have happened. But if we're talking about the reality of that did happen, could Arsenal have negotiated for more money? And I think one big thing to say about our outgoings and our windows, Marina Granovskaya has done a fantastic job at Chelsea selling this summer for a lot of reasons, mainly because they have good talent to sell. Being able to sell Tammy Abraham for £40 million is phenomenal, right? But that's because he's talented enough to warrant a fee like that. And I think that there is there are there are other players that are the same. And obviously, when you are the champions of Europe, it brings a lot of allure to the trimmings of your squad because just by proxy they look better. But I think that's why it is around that kind of four and a half, five, five and a half, like middle of the road average mark because it is a middle of the road average job. It's it's been an average outgoings. Of, of kind of it, it's, it's been very yeah it's been very five out of ten I don't hate it you know I, I was having a conversation with myself today after we we were speaking about kind of like do we think this window is a seven out of ten or a six out of ten kind Bradley. of like what my rating system great. is Bradley so handsome <laughs> thanks Bradley no worries Bradley Bradley you look so good in that jumper I know Bradley thank you wow did you just see your reflection Fuck wow <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you. No, 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 it's fine. Um, but if I think it's funny, for me, it's like fine. a one out, <laughs> it's very funny. Yeah. Uh, for me, like a one out of 10 is like the Petter Czech summer. Do you know what I mean? And I think yeah, yeah, yeah. sometimes as a fan, you have to like contextualize your ratings and what you believe to be a one out of 10 or a good. And I think for me, this is a middle of the road outgoings because we could just cancel Kalazanak's contract and that would probably better for the club situation because we wouldn't be bloated with three left-backs. We could have tried to ship out Cedric or Chambers because we now have three right-backs and whatever you think about where Tommy Asu is going to play, he is an option at right-back. And with Gabriel, I think maybe he'll slot in at left-centre-back at first. Like you said, he's got a good left foot. Um, but I think it will be very quickly as soon as Gabrielle White and him and Tierney are all available, that will be the back four. And as well, there are certain decisions like um, Reese Nelson going out to Feyenoord, but only signing a one-year contract extension that make me go, what? What was? what's the point? Um, one, because our wing cover now seems quite drab. It seems mm. quite, it's quite thin. Yeah, no Nelson, um, no Williams. And two, because... Yeah. No William is concerned. Listen to me. Fucking hell. Well, no, no, but as in like to literally lose a body in that position, just just lose a body in that position. We've lost two wingers, both who play on the right, 
normally. And if you look at our squad, we've got Saka and Pepe as our wing talent. I mean, ESR can play out on the left. Saka can play on either one. But you're talking about three players to occupy two positions permanently. And if one gets injured, you're talking about having really no cover. And the only one year kind of loan uh, contract extension is the thing that kind of bugs me about that. Why didn't you just sign him down for another four years? It makes no fiscal sense to go leave for a year and sign on for one more year. Because even then we're going to be 12 months out from his contract ending when we want to sell him. It should have been two or three years of an extension. Um, I I do have some sympathy though. Um, I think, you know, after our conversation, you it, you're absolutely right. There is no money. There isn't in the world at the moment when it comes to football. You know, um, it's estimated that clubs, I think in England alone, have lost a couple of billion because of not only, we're still dealing with the ramifications of the shutdown of football completely in 2020, let alone the fact that the whole of last season pretty much was played behind closed doors. So there's a lot of financial ramifications that has meant that there, you know, the only deals that we've been seeing are the mega ones, you know, the Locatelli's to Juventus, the the clubs that are going, this is our main target that we're going to slap every penny that we actually have in the kitty on. Kalazanak isn't yeah, one of those players. Gwenduzi isn't one of those players. You know, Bellerin isn't one of those players. Cedric isn't one of those players. Any player that we wanted to get out wasn't one of those players. And the mm. only one that was is Joe Willock. And That's why I went. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I, I I heard and I read today that they're they're having to structure the deal in a way that's not only paid in instalments because they don't have the full cash flow up front, but it's done in a way because of the losses made. It, it it's like it, yeah, it's basically like they've done an accountancy FC thing that we did with Pepe. But which, by the way, is know, how most deals are structured. Let's be clear. Yeah, I mean, even Ronaldo's been paid for in like of, one and a half million instalments or something. Yeah, two and a half million euros a year over yeah. the over five years or something yeah. stupid. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's why I really struggled to give it anything more than middle of the pack because yep. it's very middle of the pack. And that's that's fine in a difficult summer, which is okay, but it's not excellent, which is what we needed. <laughs> um, <laughs> leans back. My work here is done. Uh, at Nick P eighty one says, "Haven't shifted in our players. We should have cut our losses where possible and got rid of the deadwood. If we aren't going to use the players, and why keep them on the books? I think we've covered that. I, mm-hmm. I think that's a. I agree, but it's a very difficult situation. The market's messed up. Why not? It's also better to keep them in some circumstances. Say we get an injury to two right backs, and we've we've luckily got fucking five of the bastards. Yeah. If you, when you're paying out someone's contract, you're basically going to pay them eighty percent of what you would probably pay them." if they stayed for that year yeah, and they can fill in because no player's really going to take anything less than, than, and, and that's if you're lucky and you've negotiated well, you're going to get to give them 20% less. Surely the logic is then I'll keep you for the year. I'll pay you 100%. And if we have injury problems, we can, we can float you about in different places. Yeah. Cedric could put the cones out nicely, won't he? The market's messed up. Why yeah. not take what you can get for players rather than letting players go on the free? Has anything changed? I'd write our window as a four out of 10. We've brought for the future, yet we lack experienced players for the now. We lack a leader in this team. I think that's... 
pretty bang on that last part certainly um at steve uh js brookhausen says i think it was okay maybe a seven out of ten it's a wait and see on some of the players but they should all keep their value so is happy with who we got in plus kt and esr contract extensions to still have class and Hatch, eddie etc at the club though has been a massive failure i think that's kind of kind of where we're at too um, I think what we have to understand with the Eddie thing, though, is that apparently collapsed due to personal terms. Yes, yeah, rather than that, the actual which was an fee. Asian thing as well. Yeah. yeah, I think I think another thing that so there's nothing fans, the club can do about that. Another thing, there's nothing that, the club can do about that. Similar with the Alwar situation, you're never going to hear something broke down because of agent fees or because the agent wasn't wasn't cooperating. You always hear the club has not reached or whatever. It's like agents and intermediaries count for a lot of things in football at the moment. Never rule that out. Um, before we head to news and views, I think this is going to have to be a long, long one, Brad. Um, yeah. I just want to read boys. this tweet out from um, at Diffnock, who is, um, I hear, a, a wonderful oh. follow on Twitter. It was a picture of the Don't Arsenal. Forget, is it at Alex M? Football? Oh, yes. I have an, I have an official... <laughs> No, no one's going to follow this. Uh, I have an official me on Twitter rather than me tweeting from the different knock account because I've realised I should probably tweet things about the podcast from the different knock rather than me. Um, it's uh, at am on football at am on football if you're this far in and you fancy following me. Uh, Ten of these twenty-seven, as in the squad, are current regime signings. I.e., signings, not not new contracts, signings. Only nine of these 27 haven't been promoted, given a new contract, or signed by the current regime. Nine of them. And I believe that's exactly a third. Nine to, yeah, exactly a third. It's good. Year three maths there. No excuses anymore. Fixture looks, list looks kinder. Players are back. Now is the time to see what Arteta is made of. You all know I'm a massive Arteta stan. I want him to work. But there is, there is no more, this isn't his team. This is his team now. Arteta has made 10 signings. A third of the squad, only a third of the squad are players he's not given a contract or signed. And, you know, yeah. you, you, you beyond a half, I'd be saying that's your squad. And I think now that's, you know, or at least, you know, it's half your squad at least. But, you know, we're, we're, we're staring down the barrel of the gun here. And I think in terms of, you know, expectations now for this team, with no European football, with a team that Arteta has signed so many of them or given new contracts to, whatever it is, we have to be expecting something. And and I think, mm. as, as I've said, you know, patience is running thin. We're getting to the bottom of the barrel now. Um, I think patience is, is, is gone. I think it's shit or get off the pot time. And I think that's what we're seeing. <laughs> never heard you know, that you before. Know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You've never yeah. heard that phrase. Never heard it. it is that. It is, you know... It's not that patience is running thin. I think the patience or the patient stage has come to an end because there's now nothing that you can call for patience on. You can't give him the excuse of he hasn't been backed enough or this isn't his yeah. team. This was the because, record transfer outlay for Arsenal. Record outlay. Yeah, ever. And, the league. and it's his choice to have spent, you know, 50 million on Ben White or whatever. It's his choice to make these decisions, right? This is his team now. It's, I mean, it, for me, it's been his team for a while. The man's been in charge for a long time. And even though, you know, he's brought in five players this summer, which then takes the total up to whatever, there, 
has to also be in, you know, contracts signed by, given by him. And, and the fact that he's been there for a long time and certain players are still sticking around, but not only sticking around, they're kind of starting games. I think this season, I don't think we can write off the first three games of this season. I don't think it's a refresh. I think it's a now, especially seeing as we've got probably, I think it's like seven winnable, what I would consider winnable games moving forward. If we are not picking up maximum points, pretty much from the next four to five games, there has to be talk of something else changing, whether it's at the director of football level or the manager level or both. There has to be some shift. Yep. If when Because we have lost the opportunity to not maximize our points now. We lost the opportunity by by not being ready, you know, by not being tactically ready, physically ready. So it is that this is the point now. He is on that knife edge. He's on the edge of the cliff. This is last chance saloon. This is the, you know, this is his Alamo almost where he will either prove that he can do the job moving forward or he'll be gone in the next month or two. Yep. Big few games ahead. Just before we move to news and views, I just want to read this out from at Rory Nellis. I'm not saying I listen to too many Arsenal podcasts at Arsblog, at Gunnerblog, at Arsenal Vision Podcast. Didn't include a different knock, but that's fine. We'll let them off. But I've just just written a song that includes the lyrics reductive and soft factors. (laughs) It really made me laugh. Uh, we'll see you. How does soft factors fit in a fucking song after this? News and views. Soft factors. We got soft factors. They're not very hard. They're, They're soft only factors. <laughs> Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy these podcasts, you can support us on Patreon, where you get access to ad-free and filmed versions of the podcast for just £5 a month. And for one-time support, head to buymeacoffee.com, where you can buy us a coffee. The links coffee. are in the show description. Bradley. Alex. What did you make of the whole Maitland-Niles situation when that all went down? I know it feels a while ago now, but it's a, it's a, it's worth discussing. Um, if you missed I this, I can't believe you between. missed this. But if you did, Angel Maitland-Niles puts on his Instagram story, supposedly he had a meeting in the morning with, with Arteta and Edu where he asked to um, accept their uh, Everton's proposal of a loan with uh, option to buy. An option. And it was a two-year loan. By the way, his contract expires in two years. And Arsenal said no. And he put on his Instagram story something like, uh, just, I just want to go where I'm wanted, where I'll play or something. Yeah, at Arsenal, <laughs> which is um, subtle. I kind of flip-flap a little bit between sides on this. It's unprofessional, shouldn't be done. But I think that this has come to a point and to a level because one, Ainsley has decided... Well, according to some people that he only wanted to play central midfield, but then it's come out from his camp that last season, especially he was open to playing right back. Um, So it's, it's really tough in these situations to know what information is true and to know what to believe. I think we could have been smarter with certain things like the punishment uh, we know AD Ward is a dodgy character. We know that, uh, 
uh, we've had issues with with him and Maitland Niles, and he was Oxley Chamberlain's agent, if I'm, if, if I, you know, I believe when when he was angling for a move to Liverpool, and was one of the big factors in that move, and in Oxley Chamberlain turning down an offer of about one hundred eighty thousand pounds a week at the club. So we we've had dealings with this guy before. We know the way he operates. The one thing I think we should have done is been smarter about the punishment. I'm not saying we should have been bent over a barrel and accepted the offer, but we just say to him and we put an arm around him, look, we're not accepting this offer because it isn't acceptable to us, but we have plans for you in this coming season uh, for you to play right back uh, and central midfield, getting you around 10 games worth of game time or whatever. I just don't think that Arteta is good at that. And I think that comes from, he knows he's inexperienced and probably feels like he needs to be a titan and a dictator to not be disrespected because he doesn't hold a place of of stature. He's not a a ridiculously... um, you know, talented footballer in the sense of like, he, he's not Thierry Henry. He's not one of those kind of players who was a great for the club or even a great in his own career that then, you know, if Thierry Henry goes and manages a club, the the team will look at them with a certain amount of adulation and admiration that Mikel just won't get. So I think that that's unfortunately kind of burrowed its way into Mikel's psyche and that's caused a few fractious issues. I just wish we'd been smarter about how we'd handled that situation when it just came to the, I don't think we should have said you're not training with the first team. I understand you need to punish these people when they are unprofessional, insubordinate. I just think there was a better way to do it that that didn't come out and harm his image because Mikel Arteta is digging his own grave in a lot of ways with a lot of the decisions he makes. Alienating in public a Hayland boy will bring down a furor of of shit upon you. Arsenal are so tribal about the youth prospects that we produce. That is not a smart idea. It's just really not a smart idea. And I think that that's my one issue with it. I, I, I think he was unprofessional and there should have, you know, been something done about it. I just don't know whether it should have been a, we're going to explain our side of why we haven't accepted this. And this is our plan for you coming forward. If you don't like that and Everton put in an acceptable offer, then we'll accept it. But until that happens, this remains the situation. I think that was a smarter way to handle it than the kind of nuclear, what felt like the nuclear option of going, you're training by yourself. Yes. Yeah. Based on, based on the information that we have, I I would, and we always have to remember that may not be all the information. I do agree with you. Um, yeah, I don't really have much more to add on that. I, I'm, I'm largely in agreement. I want the only, I would say it's unprofessional. Um, I want to add that 100%. on, but I'm also acutely aware of two white guys calling a black player unprofessional, which can be filed under pace and power, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's a bit of a, it's slightly charged language, so I, I don't really want to use that. I think if Jack Grealish posts, just want to you know post that in the summer. I think there'd be a hashtag free Jack Grealish thing. Do you know what I mean? Like I I do think there's there's something there's something there, but yeah, I just think there's a um, there's a better way to handle that. It's internal negotiations, mm. but we don't we don't know the full extent of it, so it's a really difficult thing to judge. Um, I would say I agree with what Gunnerblog said though that I think Ainsley needs needs some good advice. Um, I think he needs, I don't know if he needs a mentor, 
But also that can come down to who's advising him at the club. And something Clive said on the Austin Vision podcast I really agree with is why did he feel that that was the only place he could go? Surely there's someone else at the club he can talk to about that. Surely there's someone else he can express his frustration to. And I think there's definitely a conversation where this fits into around the Mikel man management thing. Um, and, you know, but also you could argue, you know, well, he's he's turned it around and supposedly Ainsley's fine now. So maybe you could argue the other way. But I think it does fit into a conversation. We don't know the, again, but we, yeah, don't, we don't know, know. the details of that know. situation. We don't know if, if the club liaison officer has pulled them both into a room and gone, you have to hash this out and they yep. hashed it out. Do you very know very I mean? true, very true. But what I will say is I do think there's a, there's an Arteta, what is it? What do we call him? Arteta, the dictator thing. I do think there's a bit of that about that situation does feel a little bit, in crowd, out crowd. And I don't have loads and loads of kind of details. I suppose it's a soft factor um, that I would say about that because I, I, but I do get a sense that there's a sort of in crowd, out crowd and Ainsley maybe isn't in the, you know, the likes of Kieran Tierney are in the in crowd and the likes of Ainsley Mendenhall's maybe aren't. Um, and that's not healthy. That's not healthy if that's, if that's the situation. If, if there's 26 of you, of your squad in the in crowd and 20 and one, one guy out of it fine. But if there's a real split, um, yeah, that's difficult. Um, but I, I'm glad it's been resolved, but I do, I do agree with your comments. I think mm. there was a, another way of resolving it, um, more internally, but these things happen. Um, right. We signed a player, Takehiro Tomiyasu from Bologna, 22 years old, six foot two Japanese international can play center back or right back. Strengths. Uh, I don't know how much you've watched of him. Again, like you said earlier, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I've watched hours and hours of games of him, but I've watched his sort of best plays. Looks really strong in the air. Excellent tackling technique. Uh, actually quite quick for somebody who's six foot two. Um, likes to stay on his feet. A real defender, defender, defender. Nice guy. Um, very good one-on-one. So the profile of that and someone who is a you know a a proper defender and supposedly character wise there's a, a brilliant long read in the athletic written by James McNicholas um which is all about Takahiro Tomiyasu go and read it it's fantastic and it talks about his attitude and he seems like a really good character as well the one thing i'd say is i'm not convinced convinced he plays right back all the time now i don't mean the asymmetrical system which i think is maybe what's going to happen probably most likely but I'm not convinced in that he will sit alongside Ben White and Gabrielle in the build-up. Kieran Tierney will push forward as normal. And probably, as we've discussed over text, maybe Granite Xhaka will push further forward. Um, or we'll play mm. Sambi further forward. I don't know. Maybe we, maybe, we negate, maybe we negate the need for Xhaka at that point. Pray God. So I, do, I think there's a, real <laughs> there's a real likelihood that he sits in that three. But also Arteta dropped Gabrielle at points last season. And the kind of aerial... I do think we needed more physical presence back there, which Tomiyasu is not quite as physical as Gabriel, but he offers different strengths. Tomiyasu's really good with both his feet. He can ping balls. He can ping them down the line. Um, and he's also played in many, many different positions. So I'm just not, I'm not a hundred percent on the, this is definitely the right back train, especially with what's, what's happened with Ainsley. I think players are so fluid in, in position in, in the sense of like when in possession, when out yeah, of it's possession a role nowadays, that it's position. It's really difficult to say. I think what we're likely to see is him play left centre back until Gabriel is that's back. That's a good point. That's I good think point. that's probably the most likely thing. He will play left centre back until Gabriel is back. When Gabriel is back fit, which I don't think will be too long, 
I think we will see him drift out into, if we're in a 4-2-3-1, that right back slot. And then obviously things will change in possession, out of possession. But I think it it makes, uh, yeah, I mean, it makes the most sense purely on the basis that it frees up Nicola Pepe. There is a certain amount of protection there now that means that Pepe can be a bit more, uh, a bit further forward, not having to track back so much because he knows he has solid defensive cover behind him. I think that's probably what we'll see. We'll see him coming at left centre-back at first and Chambers or Cedric or even Ainsley out on that right Right side, yeah, very potentially. Yeah. I mean, defensively, he's fantastic. I mean, I mean, like a proper mm. defender. He's a proper, and we need that. We need someone whose whose first instinct is to defend, and he snuffs out danger excellently. Also, aerially, you know, we look at that first game against Ivan Tony, against the likes of, you know, I was going to say Tammy Lukaku. Ab- yeah, Lukaku. I was going to say Tammy Abraham, but Lukaku. Um, you know, he's in the 99th percentile for aerials one against against uh center backs and it's fantastic like i mean that is really really good and that's what we need we needed to add that um i like the deal also i just love having a go at spurs he literally beats emerson in progressive passing distance and uh, caveat across two different leagues but beats him on i mean they're pretty similar leagues though yeah when it comes to quality i think beats him on progressive passing distance dribbled past beats him on aerial duels percentage dribblers tackled successful pressures progressive carrying distance passing to the final it's an absolute joke he beats emerson outright half the price as well yeah so and obviously it's a stat who knows emerson will offer you more going forward but if we're looking for that type of player which i think we were i think it's a really good pickup and a smart buy and and from a business standpoint i think it opens up a east asian market as well which is which is yeah really 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 good good business yeah brad we've just got time for a little bit of Arsenal trivia. Now, remember, you don't know this. The first... I mean, I've forgotten the answer. Okay. <laughs> if you missed last episode, I said it and booped out. The first ever Premiership goal came from who in 1992? Um, does it begin with a B? It does. I see to remember. It does. It's, it, does. It's, it's a, it could be a new intro for you for next time. Brandon Autumn... Bramley Apples oh, know, and Brian Dean in 1992. Brian Dean. Brian Dean. Never heard of him. That's it. Uh, and for next time, sorry to depress you. How much did we sell Serge Gnabry to Werder Bremen for? Oh, yeah. I saw it today. How much did we sell Serge Gnabry to Werder Bremen for? Do you know what? I, to end this podcast, somebody needs to fucking investigate Bayern Munich because they were tapping up Gnabry. They've just stolen the manager, the centre-back and the captain of the second place team. All of their players are on fucking steroids. Allegedly. But like, what's going we on? We have to say club? allegedly. Don't, don't get sued, Brad. Come on. I did say allegedly. I just whispered it. Uh, Brad, it is always... Even when you get a suit. It's always a fucking pleasure. A pleasure. Even when, you know, I, I don't know what they'd sue us for, my friend. <laughs> Being too, too charming, maybe? Oh, no, I just meant because I'm very poor. <laughs> oh, mate. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> what assets are they going to strip from me? <laughs> Which you can solve by signing up to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash diffnot. <laughs> that's normally your job. Right, everyone. Yeah, normally. An absolute pleasure. Oh, Thank you so it. much for listening. Um... Thanks, guys. And yeah, let's get behind the team. Let's get behind the team. There's been a lot of negativity. Do you know what? I'm feeling good about the next seven games. It's just after that that's the problem. 
Yeah. <laughs> Let's get beyond the team. It's been a it's been a negative time, which has not been fun. Um, but there are positive signs. I think all of our signings, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing. I I don't feel there's a real kind of weak link and a really poor thing. Um, and overall, we spent the most money. We've had a record transfer outlay, outlay and we just got to see what happens. Um, mm-hmm. We will literally see what happens. That's how linear timelines work. All right. Thanks, as always, for listening. Keep it different, Thanks, guys. And we will see you later. Peace. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com. Find us on Twitter at DiffKnock and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.